are excited to be at church. Like you're genuinely, yeah. Come on. Being at church is a great thing. It's not something we check off the list, like, all right, got that done with. Now we can move on to something else. But uh, like, we genuinely enjoy being together in church. It's a good place to be. So uh, look, before we jump into today's message on Real Family, uh, I've got a couple things that I want to highlight. One of those uh, is in case you've been living under a rock, uh, there was a gigantic flood in Louisiana uh, about a week ago. And uh, I just want to kind of share a few things that we were able to do as a church this past week to help out with that. Um, I'm not sure how many of you uh, were here during Katrina, when Katrina hit, but what's going on over there right now is exactly like that, Uh, maybe even a little bit more uh, uh, intense. Whenever you go through a neighborhood um, of just regular houses and every single house in that entire neighborhood uh, has all their their belongings on the sidewalk, that's a crazy thing to see and feel. All right, it's something to see on Facebook, but it's another thing to walk there and feel what's going on. And uh, I just want to share some things. This past week, uh, basically every single day, we sent a team of people from our church. Uh, It was many different people from all three different locations. And we went and uh, we distributed goods. Uh, We we hooked up with Bethany Church in Baton Rouge. And uh, we worked in their warehouse, uh, giving away food. Uh, We packed it. And... We went to hotels and just went door to door and handed out sack lunches to people um, that literally didn't have food. Uh, They were stuck in a hotel room with no food, no money, no way to go get food. So they're sitting there waiting on something, but literally no plans, no families, nothing to fall back on. We were able to do that. We also went and we cleaned out houses, um, uh, you know, tore sheetrock out of homes. Uh, yesterday, we probably spent about, sent about 40 people or so into five or six different locations, cleaned out homes. I know uh, I was a part of a couple of those homes, and, and then we went and moved, oh my gosh, I don't know, 200 sandbags, something like that. It was ridiculous. Uh, you haven't smelt something until you smelt a sandbag soaked in bayou water for about uh, seven days. That is... <clears throat> That's good stuff. But, um, but let me tell you something. Look, we were able to really help out some people. We were also able to, to give $10,000 to a church. Uh, they're a, a new Ark Church plant in Baton Rouge that lost a lot of their gear to put on a Sunday morning service. And so we were able to couple together with a, a few other churches and give them some money to get them back on their feet because many, many of the people in their church are cleaning out their own homes. And so, uh, man, we want to take that weight off of that pastor. Go take care of your people. Don't worry about your, your gear, okay? That's just some money that we can throw in to help out with, but, uh, but take care of your people. So extremely grateful for that. But um, this is what I want to let you know. This coming week, and uh, really hopefully for the next couple of weeks, we are endeavoring to send groups of people as much as we can to help out, okay? Now, this is where the rubber meets the road. Um, is people need their houses cleaned out, okay? People need food, they need clothes, and this is where, here we are sitting here, I don't think any of our houses got flooded, right? And so let's be the church, and let's go help some of the people that are over there right now whose houses have been destroyed, uh, if it wasn't for them, like this church wouldn't exist because they supported us financially uh, with leadership. I'm talking back in the 80s and the 90s. Uh, we were actually, uh, I believe, I'm not sure if they're here. I believe they'll be here in the second service possibly. But uh, Brother Ed Bledsoe and uh, Sister Sharon, uh, they are uh, my dad, who is the lead pastor of Andacody, his pastors, all right? And uh, that's where we come from. Their house uh, took on three or four feet of water. 
And so they got displaced, and so they came here and uh, just to kind of get away from all the chaos. And, uh, and so we're taking care of them. But, but what we're doing is helping directly to the people that have helped us in the past, all right? And so I just really want to send out the challenge, all right? We're going to put some stuff on Facebook, and uh, we're going to have some more information coming towards the end of the service about how you can get involved. But literally, it's like this. On your day off, you get up really early. You meet here at the church. You get in a car with some people you may not know, all right? And you drive over to a place, and you are just there to help. So you might tear out sheetrock one moment. You might go and give food to somebody else another moment. But it's just meeting a need. And I know that sometimes we get overwhelmed, right? We see the need, and it's so great. So it's like, man, what am I going to do? Let me tell you something. For the uh, total probably, I don't know, 15 families this week directly that we've impacted, it mattered a whole lot to them. All right? It mattered a whole lot to them. To the lady that yesterday came up to our group while we were working and said, do y'all have any food? We have nothing. We live down the road. Do y'all have sandwiches? We said, yes. We gave her all, that, all the sandwich stuff we had. It mattered a lot to that person. And so go with the heart and the attitude to serve, um, but there's something special that happens in your own heart whenever you go into those places. Compassion flows, and uh, although you're being spent with your energy, something else is getting re-energized inside because you're giving back, man. You're serving people. You're showing them the love of Jesus. And uh, these are the times that the church shines the brightest. And uh, sometimes it just takes smelling bad and sweating a lot, all right? And so that's what we're doing. So look, uh, we're going to be able to get on Facebook and get more information. Uh, get on there and say, hey, yeah, I'm available for this day or that day. But go to Northwood, uh, Northwood Missions Facebook page, all right? Northwood Missions Facebook page. And that's where we're going to keep updated and uh, putting things out there. Sound good? Yeah. Great, great, great. All right. Okay, here we go. Real family. You ready for this? Everybody take a deep breath. That might have been more for me than you guys. Today, we're going to be talking about raising real kids. Raising real kids. That's why I needed you guys to get a, oh, all right. Now, uh, look, I, I'm 31 years of age, been married for uh, 10 years, and me and my wife have a, a four-year-old little princess, okay? She is just a beautiful child. We love her so much. And uh, so today, I'm talking about raising kids. So obviously, I have not raised a teenager. So today, I'm not coming to you as a person that has successfully raised all of my children, you know what I'm saying, and in that attitude, but uh, there are principles in the Word of God that uh, apply to any age group, and these are principles that I was raised underneath, okay? And so a lot of the things I'm coming at are from, honestly, the kid's perspective, uh, now being an adult and realizing how much those things that I might have hated back in the day are the very things that help my mind and my heart stay steady and stable and connected to God. And so, so I'm kind of in this hybrid state as I talk today. Okay, everybody good with that? All right, if you're like, I can't receive from a guy that hasn't raised kids completely yet. All right, hey, look, hey, look. Biblical principles are amazing. Whenever you read scripture, it, it finds you wherever you're at in your life and it confirms things, it convicts things, and, uh, and that's what we're going to do today. We're going to reach into scripture, we're going to find some, uh, some principles. Now, I'm going to warn you with this as well. This is what we like to call a shotgun message, okay? This is one of those messages where it's going to be like a bunch of points and a lot of things, and you kind of have to grab those points and apply them to your life, because we're just like going for like five different subjects in one time. So y'all, 
you know, grab onto something, hold on, and we're going to take the next 30 minutes and just go through this thing. And so write down notes, you know, punch your spouse next to you and say, see, I told you. You know, all those little things, that's what today is all about, okay? All right, so the big thought today that I want to start with is that all society is built on the family, okay? And we've kind of covered this, but all society is built on the family. If the family structure is operating correctly, Everything else in culture really operates correctly, okay? If daddy is being daddy, mommy's being mommy, the kids are being the kids, the educational system works, okay? And government doesn't have to come in and try to fix it because that's not really what's going to fix it, all right? the, The economy works. It works when people are handling their money correctly, they're going to work every day, business works, all these things that a society is built on work. But as soon as the family begins to crumble and that structure breaks down, everything else breaks down. So what we try to do is we try to fix all those little things, but really what it is, it's on a Tuesday night whenever daddy and mommy are in the house, what's going on there? Because that is what's affecting the rest of it, okay? All right, so we get caught up thinking that we're going to come up with programs and things and, and inject money into certain areas, and that's going to fix it. It's not going to fix it, because in the Bible, God talks about the family, and that's where all of our minds and all of our hearts are formed, really, okay? And so um, the perfect family we know is daddy, mommy, and the kids, but we're not naive enough to know that that's just not the not the case, okay? Uh, there's divorce, there's death, there's all, many, all sorts of situations that happen that cause it not to be perfect, but again, just because things aren't perfect in our own lives, do we negate what the Bible says? No, we don't, all right? There is, a, there is a better way than sometimes it ends up being in our own lives, but that doesn't negate the fact that we can have good families. You might be a single mom, you might be a single dad, there might be step-parents, there might be grandparents taking care, whatever the case is, the things that we're going to talk about today can still uh, apply to your home, okay? Uh, I would like to say that the Bible says it's daddy and mommy, all right? Not daddy and daddy and mommy and mommy. That's outside of the structure of scripture, all right? And so we don't really, we don't adhere to that, all right? That's not the, the biblical teaching. That's a big point today in t- today's culture, obviously. Daddy, mommy, kids, all right? So with that mindset, let's dive into a few things. Have you guys ever seen a Pinterest fail? Yes, all right? If you have not, you're in luck. Today I've brought a few, all right? So uh, what happens is when people see something on Pinterest that's really cool and trendy, and then they say, that's easy, I can do that, and so they do it themselves, and it's terrible. But they take pictures of it, and they put it online, and we enjoy it. So it's great, all right? Come on, put up that first picture. First picture, this is a beautiful triple chocolate cheesecake, all right? It's beautiful, and somebody looked at that, and they said, man, I'm not a chef, but I'm pretty sure that I can make that happen, and so then this is what happened. That's right. It's a beautiful chocolate cheesecake. Go to the next one. What's the next one? Here it is. How to do to dye Easter Esther eggs. Esther eggs, whatever. Easter eggs with shaving cream. It's so simple, right? Let's do that. What's the next one? Yeah. That's reality. That's what takes place whenever you try to dye your own Easter eggs without going to the store and buying them. All right. What's the next one? Go to the next one. Here it is. Now, I recently saw somebody did this. Sanja, wherever she's at, you did this, and sort of. And no, it looks good. It, it, was a, it was a different type of ball. But anyway, it's so cool looking. Like what, you put a balloon and like wrap it in something, and then you pop the balloon, take it out. Boom. I don't know what it is. It's something like that. But then it turns out like this. 
That looks like an egg sack for an alien. I'm just, that, immediately when I saw it, I was like, that thing is going to birth an alien. That's what's happening there, you know? Go to the, go to the next one. Here it is. Nutter butter tur- turkey cupcakes. They look so cute. They're looking at you like, hello. And then you try to make them, and then this is what takes place. Whoa, they're, they're stretched sideways too, but you can see droopy-eyed, the nose, I don't even know what's going on with the nose, it's melted and it's just, I mean, you can eat them, but they look terrible. I think we've got a couple more. What's the next one? Here it is. This is like a, a gluten-free, some sort of special pretzel. And, uh, you know, it's healthy, it's organic, all those really great words that half of us don't really care about. And then you try to do it and then this is what takes place. I'm just going to let your imagination go with what that looks like. <laughs> that's, that's terrible. <laughs> that's terrible. That one got me when I was looking at it. I was like, oh, my God. Go to the next one. <laughs> this is my favorite one. How to take a good picture of your baby in a pumpkin. He's cute. He's excited. He's got like a little faux hawk going on. It's just good. It's a good thing. And then this happens. Yeah. There it is. Now, let's be honest. How many of you in this room today, you have seen something on Pinterest and you tried it and it was a fail? Come on. Oh, look at it. Look at it. Yeah, my wife did it a couple years ago. It was like a Whopper cake. Is that what it was? So cool looking on Facebook. And then whenever it was on the shelf, we just stared at it and laughed. It was bad. It was terrible. I don't, I didn't, I don't think I ate it. I don't know if I ate it. Or we took the Whoppers off and then I ate it. But uh, now the reason I showed those is because sometimes raising kids are like a Pinterest project. (laughs) Like you see other people's kids and you're like, they're so cool and they're funny. They have a great sense of humor. I'm going to have one of my own. And then you have them and you keep having them for some of you. And some of you, you won't stop having them. And it's time to stop having them. But you keep having them and it's like after a couple years, you're like, it's the nutter butter thing. They're looking at you. They're kind of, you know, weird looking. And you're like, I think I was a prettier kid than that. But you probably weren't, you know. And that's just, that's what you and your spouse created. And so now it's, you have to live with it a little bit. But you had these great ideas, these great intentions of what it was going to be. And then you start playing it out. And it's painful. It's hard. Uh, it's a lot less sleep than you were thinking. You're like, hey. When I was a teenager, I slept like three hours a night and I was fine. And now you're like 30 and you sleep three hours and you can't walk straight, you know? And, and it's difficult, right? So sometimes it, it is like that. But um, can I remind you guys of something? The Bible says in Psalm 127.3, it says, children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Every now and then I take a step back and I'm like, okay, okay. My child is a gift from God, you know? And if you really picture it, imagine God wrapping a present and giving you this child that now you're, you're, you're responsible to steward well. You know, me and Aideen, whenever we, we got married, uh, we were married for two years, and then she started talking about maybe we should have a child, and of course I was like, oh, you know, I don't, I don't know. So we decided to get a dog instead, <clears throat> which was a good choice because we, we were able to keep that dog alive. So we were like, you know, I think that we could keep a kid alive, maybe. <laughs> Try it. So, so after four years, we decided it's time to have a baby. Let's do this. And uh, so we got pregnant. We were very, very excited. 
and, uh, and then we had a miscarriage. And, uh, and we were like, we, we cried, you know, we, we got up and we were like, hey, we're not going to quit. And uh, got pregnant again, and the same thing happened again, uh, about the same exact time period. And the second one hurt. The second one was not like the first. Um, you know, Nadine was dealing with, is something wrong with me? You know, all those emotions that you have and not even wanting to try anymore. And I was just angry because I was seeing her, her pain, you know, and like a good husband just wanted to punch something, you know, <laughs> just what? And uh, prayed prayers like, God, we did everything right. Uh, according to the word, you know, uh, we got married, we, we waited till we were ready. You know what I'm saying? We tried to make good choices and, uh, and how is it turning out for us? We went through all those emotions and it was a hard time. And I remember my dad sent us a text or, or gave us a call or something. And he said, uh, Jordan, Nadine, don't, don't worry. One day you're going to hear the pitter patter of those little feet running down your hallway. And uh, I, I remember that, you know, and it, and it was a, just a few months later, it took a little bit longer, but uh, we got pregnant and, and we had Ariana. And it's true, we, we hear that, that pitter-patter, you know. Now they're, it's like pitter-patter, they're getting bigger, you know. Um, <laughs> but it, it took some patience, it took some pain, but we have this gift that God has given us to steward well. And every now and then we have to take a step back and, and remember that. You know, and remember the, the great opportunity we have. Proverbs 22.6 says, Start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Another version says, Train up a child in the way he should go. Train up a child. Now, training is something that you never turn off, okay? You're constantly in training mode. And uh, here's the deal. In case you don't know it, parents, children don't know the way to go on their own. You are the ones who are going to train them, all right? You can't take a day off. You can't take a moment off. It's constant. It's, it's, it's continuous. We are training our children, all right? And, and those of you who are grandparents, I want to let you know that, that you're still training, all right? Your time is not done, maybe not every day, <laughs> but you are, you're helping your kids train their kids, also helping train your grandkids, all right? It's this great generational mindset, but we've got to think that way because if we don't think that way, then we'll stop acting that way, okay? So we're going to look at Deuteronomy 6, verse 5 through 7. It says this, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Now, this is to your parents, okay? You need to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength, because the rest of the things that we talk about today will not work well, biblically speaking, if we don't have this in place first. There has to be a love for the Lord. Uh, you know, I, I hear men say this sometimes, or parents. You know, man, I gotta get my kids in church. They're not in church, but I gotta get my kids in church. Or they're in church and they're like, man, you know what? I come for my kids. I come because they need a better life. I come because they need to know God. And I always stop right there in my mind and I think of a verse like this and I'm like, actually you're missing a big part of that, which is you need to love the Lord. You need to know the Lord, not for your kids. Because what happens whenever they get older and they leave the house and you're no longer going to church or doing the Christian thing because of them, who are you doing it for? Why are you doing it? It's not just for your family. Before that, it's got to be you and God. And I love where this, this verse starts. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, 
all your soul, all your strength, your mind, your emotions, your life, love him. Then he goes on to say, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Impress them on your children. Now, real quick, I want you to think about your kids. Aren't, aren't kids so impressionable? Very, very impressionable. You know, whenever they're young and they're always in your house and they're always in your care, you know everything that they know. They start using vernacular that you know you didn't teach them and immediately you're like, I, didn't, I never taught you that word. Where'd you hear that word from? Who told you that, right? You have that and you know everything about them because they're impressionable. Another word, it talks about training. Let me, let me see what the word was. It, it talks about uh, another verse says teach, teach them or instill by persistent instruction. Instill in them by persistent instruction. Always impress, don't get tired of impressing things on your kids. Don't get tired of it. You, that's what you're here to do. Impress them on your children. Talk about these commandments. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Basically, talk about the commandments of the Lord all the time. You're looking for opportunities in your family and in your life to use scripture and use examples out of the Bible, to use character forming things, to teach them things. Don't let things go. Sometimes we get tired of constantly training and what do we do? Ah, whatever, I don't feel like dealing with that right now. They come with that horrible attitude and what do you do? Just close the door and walk out, right? You know, or just turn the TV up louder. Why? Because you're getting sick of impressing on them these standards, these commandments. We cannot be tired of doing these things, okay? It's a lot of work. Everything's a training opportunity. I do want to say this, don't despise the young days of raising kids. You know, they say that kids, their minds, their hearts, their kind of like their temperament, all this, their, their, really their, uh, their personality is formed by the age of five years old, psychologically, which is scary. <laughs> my kid's six and oh my gosh, you know what I'm saying? I hope not. Well, there's certain parts of them that are, they're already formed. And a lot of the rest of their life just plays out from that point. That's why the young days are so important. Don't get caught in the tra trap of thinking that one day I'll tackle that attitude. One day we'll get to all, they're lying. Oh, those little lies, aren't they so cute? No, they're devilish. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's the character of Satan inside of them. It's a big deal. You know, don't just let it go. Sit down and say, wait, wait, wait. This just happened to us two days ago, I forgot. <laughs> you know when your kid says something and it's so outlandish and you're just like, that's just not true, all right? She had this story made up about some bug crawling on her foot or something like that. Actually, it did. It had happened, which is kind of another story for another day. But anyway, she came back later and was talking about how she just went in and it happened again. And, and we were like, no, it didn't happen. So we, stu we, st we stood there for a second and we worked through that thought process. And I said, Ariana, did you, did you just lie? She does this thing where she goes, <laughs> you know, when she does something. And uh, yeah. And, and it, she was, it wasn't a moment where I needed to like, no, let me tell you something, you know, no. But I was guiding her through that moment where she was getting caught up in something that she didn't need to be. I was communicating. One last thing before we get into the, the, the five main things we're going to talk about today, and then we're going to fly, is that I, I, like to, I like to remind you that you're raising some of your best friends. 
Now, that phrase is very important because right now they're not your best friends, all right? But one day, whenever they're adults, there's this great opportunity where you're no longer daddy and the kids and there's this gap. You're, you're like peers. You work together. You talk. And you're great friends. And uh, you know, that's one thing in my life over the last couple of years I've really realized is that my parents have become really good friends of mine, not just parents. And that's just, it, it happens later in life. But remember that. Keep that in front of you. That's why you should care so much, OK? So this is what we're going to do. We're going to tackle five areas that need attention in raising kids. And these are, this is like the shotgun part, OK? It's just going to Number one. Parents need to live authentic lives. Parents need to live authentic lives. That means the same person that's sitting in this chair right now is the same person that's sitting at the dining room table later, is the same person that's at work tomorrow, the same person that goes to bed tomorrow night, right? The same person. The most confusing thing for a kid is to see one person here at church doing this whole thing, our God is a lion, you know, doing that whole thing, and then cursing on the way home. That's confusing. And really what you have to be careful of is that you're not teaching your kid hypocrisy and religion. That's where most people learn it from, is, well, that's what daddy did. He was at church slapping high fives, and everybody knew his name, and then he went home and he smoked dope, and he just, he lived a whole life, he was a drunkard, and he just... He beat us, you know? Like, those stories are the most confusing things. You know, I was raised as a pastor's kid, and uh, I understand why so many pastor's kids don't serve God anymore. First of all, because people in the church sometimes are just mean. But uh, that's a separate, separate subject. Another reason, though, is because daddy on the stage was different than daddy at home. And it's like, man, if it ain't working for him, and he's up front, it ain't going to work for me. This thing's fake, and, and it confuses the mind, and it breaks the faith. And so then they walk away from it, because there's no point. We do not want to do that to our kids. Am I right? We do not want to teach them those things. We want to teach them obedience. We want to teach them relationship with God. The cool thing about forming a child is that you get to teach them what repentance and grace and forgiveness looks like. Whenever they mess up and they confess and they repent, you're able to teach them about discipline, of course, but also as they get older, especially, what grace really looks like, what forgiveness looks like, and what restoration and redemption look like. I'm not going to go into it, but a story like that happened to me when I was about 18 years old with my dad, and it changed how I viewed God. Like, that's how intense it was. I hurt him in something that happened. I, I saw him cry, and I saw him hurt by what I did. And it completely did a 180 with me when it came to sin and trying to get away with things. I didn't want to get away with things because I wanted to get away with them. I didn't want to do those things because I knew that it would hurt God, because it hurt my dad. It's just one of those pictures. And so you have a great responsibility to do that. You have a great responsibility to live authentically spiritually, all right? Training them the way that they should go with their relationship with God emotionally. You form your kids' emotions, whether you know it or not. Your habits, when something really bad happens, do you fly off the handle and cry and blah? Or do you stay calm and collected and faith-filled? Where's your emotions? What are you teaching your family? What are you teaching your kids? Are you teaching them self-control with a healthy conscience? Or are you teaching them just to kind of go with whatever they feel? You are the ones who, who, who start those, those processes in their life. Financially, you're teaching them how to handle their finances. 
How are you in the area of generosity? Do you give? Or do you hold your finances like this? Do you hold the things you have like this? Or do you clench them like this? What are you teaching your kids? Are you, are, are you, are you adhering to biblical tithing? Do you tithe? That's a big thing in the church nowadays. Everybody's all weird about money because so many people have abused it. Just because people mess things up doesn't negate what the Bible says about it. We have to remember that, okay? And so, but are you teaching them to give to the local church? God instituted that a long time ago. But are, are you, are you do, how, are, how are you handling your finances? You're teaching them that. Are you teaching them to live within your means? That's a big one. Are you just swiping the credit card, paying 20% interest every single month, right? Or are you actually, are you on a budget? Are you planning life? What are you, you're teaching them. They're seeing it. Let's teach them well. Are you teaching them about the local church and the kingdom of God? What's your involvement like in the local church? Let me tell you something, parents. There's a lot of people in here. I have no idea who you are. And, and so I'm just kind of blanketly throwing this out there. But is today, like Sunday morning, is this like your only involvement in the local church? Is this it? Because if it is, that's, that's kind of weak. It's a little bit weak. If the kingdom of God in a local church is like the hope of the world, right? If we believe that, which I believe that, then man, what a, how is this not the greatest thing to be involved in? All right, now not seven days a week, like here at 7 a.m., leaving at five, you know what I'm saying? In some way, shape, or form. Are you, are you on a team? Are you in a small group? Are you, are you giving like we talked about? Are, are you getting them involved? Are you helping them get into the growth track, into all the things that we offer here? Are they in the kids' ministry? Are they in impact? Like, are you putting value on those things, okay? And not letting the rest of why we're here on this earth kind of drown out the church. It's a, it's a balance, it's, it's hard. That's why it's quiet, because it's difficult. Because it comes down to it's Thursday or, or it's, it's Wednesday night, and all of a sudden, man, you, you just got back from church, I mean, from work, and your kids are wanting to go to impact, right? <laughs> and it's like, <sighs> That's right, you gotta get them in the car, you gotta get them there. It takes effort, it takes work. But what you're doing in those moments is you're, you're showing priority and you're teaching your kids priority. I know because I, li- I grew up in that. I grew up in that. It taught me to value the kingdom of God. All right? Awesome, amen. So number two, parents need to be parents and not best friends. And I kind of alluded to this earlier, but this is actually a problem in society today. People think that they are their kids' best friends. And I wanna, I wanna kind of reiterate, you're raising your best friends, you're not their best friends right now, okay? They don't need a best friend, they've got those. They need mama and daddy. They need somebody that's guiding them with love, but they need somebody that is helping them through this life to, to understand things. Um, kids are not equal to parents in decision-making. I'll let you know that. Don't give your 13-year-old the options for everything. Make the decisions, teach them how to submit sometimes whenever they don't want to, okay? You're, they're, they should also really be protected from some decisions. You should protect your kids from the business of the family. You should protect them from the financial uh, uh, situations that are going on, okay? Don't, don't just be open with everything that's happening. Kids aren't built for that, okay? There was many, my parents, now, <laughs> now that I'm older, they say there was times that we paid your tuition and, and we had holes in our shoes. You know what I'm saying? There was, there was those times that happened where literally we could not go out to eat. It wasn't that we were trying to be frugal. It was literally we didn't have money to go out to eat and have a good time. We couldn't afford it, you know? And, and I didn't know that. 
All I knew is that we're living in a safe house, man. This, this is great. We're praying before we go to bed. Yay, you know what I'm saying? It was stability and it caused me to not live in fear and I just wasn't built for that. We weren't built for that. So protect your kids. Number three, parents need to discipline kids with much love and faith and time and energy and uh, patience, okay? Don't get tired of disciplining your kids. It has to be consistent and continual, all right? Now, what I mean by that is there should be the same type of standards between mama and daddy. Nothing's more confusing or shows disunity more than I can go to mama to get this and I can go to daddy to get this. And if I told daddy then I, and he said no, then I'll go to mommy and I know she'll, that's, you gotta cut that out. You can't have that happening. It's actually bad for the marriage and it's bad for the understanding. There's got to be unity between spouses and people that are leading children. So they know that, let me give you something because I'm gonna keep moving here. If you're kind of confused on a couple of things and, and you think that maybe your husband or your wife said something different, just pause and say, well, I'll get back to you. And then go in the room and hash it out with your spouse and then come back with a united decision that says, we are not gonna let you do this because of this, okay? Show some unity there. Don't start that pitting one against another thing, all right? Because your kids are smart. They'll still pl start playing that. Because <laughs> we all did it whenever we were young, am I right? <laughs> That's exactly right. One quick thing about, uh, about, you know, spanking without communication and love is, is, uh, is, is really borderline abusive. And you need to know that. Your kids should always know why they're, why they're getting disciplined. All right, don't haul off. You talk about that emotional thing. Don't haul off and do things that, that you get convicted of later. And if you do, repent. Ask forgiveness. That's right. Daddy, you can ask forgiveness from your kids. You can, I've done that before. Ari, I'm sorry for saying that. That was, that was wrong. You know what I'm saying? You're teaching them how to repent. We're never high and, and mighty and past that. Your teenagers, they already know where you're messing up at, by the way. They're smart. And so be open and honest about it. Be like, hey, that was wrong. Y'all know it. Yeah, yeah, we know it. All right, I'm sorry. Come on. Let's practice repentance in front of our children and what it looks like. Parents are to understand, this is number four, parents are to understand the power of the digital kingdom. We, we call it the digital kingdom because it's so huge. All right, it, it, media, internet, all these things, this is massive, okay? Like this is probably the most influential thing in your kid's life, whether you know it or not. It's also the most influential thing in adults' lives. So let's not play ourselves here, all right? It's influencing a lot. And so we wanna show a video real quick. And uh, really what this video is, is from Parent Q, which is something I'd like to take 15 seconds to talk about. Both from five through 12 and, from, and in the impact age, we have two different resources that we offer to parents to help you raise your children better, all right? Does that sound good? That sounds awesome, right? Well, uh, one is called Studio 252, and, uh, and, and, and all of you who have children between five and 12, you've heard about this. We're pumping it. We're talking about it all the time in our kids' ministries. Take advantage of that. Don't be like, yeah, thanks, and then walk away, and you never actually do something with that. Talk about teaching your kids about involvement in local church. How about, how about get involved with that? The other thing is called Parent Q. And this is what this video is from, is to help you manage life, because sometimes, let's be honest, we kind of get out of touch with some things. So we need help to stay in touch with what's happening. And uh, this video is gonna help us in one of those areas. Can we go ahead and watch that? Hi, I'm John Acuff with Parent Q. Today I wanna give you one quick technology tip. 
This one is about passwords and about social media platforms. Sometimes I meet parents and they'll say, oh, my son or daughter won't let me follow them online. They won't let me follow them on Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat or, or any platform. And they'll say, they just won't let me follow them. And I always think that's a weird thing to say because it'd be like if you came home from work one day and you walked down the hall and your son or daughter had installed a lock on their bedroom door. Like during the day, they had hired somebody, a handyman perhaps, and installed a deadbolt on their bedroom door. You would probably stop and go, huh, I don't remember that having a deadbolt and I don't have the key to that. What can I do? They've, they've treated their bedroom like an apartment. I gotta respect that. No, you'd go, hey, did you put a lock on your door? Cause that's adorable, but we're taking that lock off right now because we're a family. And so I think you need to be really smart about removing digital locks. The idea that you can't follow a teenager on their social media platform or you, you can't have access to what they're doing is a really dangerous idea. And also, if you're paying for the device, you own that device. It's so kind of you to let them use it, but it's still your device and it's still your house. Now, I won't pretend for a second this is an easy conversation, especially if you've got a 16-year-old and you're just now starting to go, how do I plug back into what they're doing? I mean, it's easy if you can say, hey, if you've got a two-year-old out there and here's the next 14 years and every step you do it right and we'll all be perfect parents, but that's not how life goes. So if you have a 16-year-old, start that conversation. Don't storm in and go, hey, I saw this video clip of this really, really, really good-looking guy and he looked tall, probably like a 6'4", it was hard to tell he was sitting, but he said, I should have access to your social media platform, so give me all the access. No, start a conversation, but if you've got a seven-year-old or a 10-year-old or a 12-year-old, prepare that conversation by saying, hey, in this house, we're, we're all gonna have access to the things we do. We're, we're going to have visibility because digital locks are just as bad as real locks. That's right. So let's talk about this for a moment, guys. Let's talk about the internet. Let's talk about these things right here. Um, parents, let me just talk to you first. If you don't know all the capabilities that your child has with one of these, like you don't really actually for real know, you don't know the apps, you don't know what Snapchat is, you don't know what, how, to, how hashtags work, you don't know all of these things, but yet your, your child has one of these and they have pretty much open access anytime to whatever they wanna do on it, I wanna let you know that probably 99% of them are into things that they should not be into. And that's probably a legit stat. Kids, their minds are not fully formed. The, they actually said that the brain is not fully formed to 25 years of age in the area of risk, risk taking and understanding the consequences of actions. It makes sense for college, right? It's like, oh, that's what's going on in college, you know? They don't understand by putting information out there how that can come back to bite them in the future. They don't understand by, by taking a picture and sending it to somebody that they don't really, really know well, or even if they do know well, that in three years that person has it saved on that device and they can send it somewhere else and do stuff with it and blackmail and blah, 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 blah. They don't understand that. All they know is that they want to fit in with their friends, all right? And so I like to just really put it out there because I believe it's literally a matter for some people of life and death, both spiritually and some physically, if they get involved in the wrong thing, that you do not allow them to have one of these till an age, I'm not gonna put it out there, until you know, you gotta know your kid, that they're mature enough to, to do this. And, and I would say this, don't assume that they're gonna make good choices. Don't assume that. I know you think your kid is awesome. Don't assume that because 
the, the availability of pornography, the availability of putting yourself out there in inappropriate ways, of getting into chats with people that you don't even know where they're at on the map, is, should freak you out. It should scare you to a place where you say, give me that rattlesnake back. You're not taking that into your bed at night. You're not gonna have full access to talk to your friends at all hours of the night. Are you kidding me? Like, let's just be honest about it and you might seriously save your kid's life. Your kid has no point of being on Facebook at midnight. I see, I see guys sometimes post at three in the morning. I'm like, what are you doing at three in the morning with your, the phone in your room? I have a couple of ideas. Like, are we that naive? Protect your kids. Come on. Are y'all with me on that? Yeah. Even if you don't have kids, man. And if, if the things I'm talking about you think I'm being extreme on, you don't know what's going on. You need to, you need to have things like this that are getting piped in your ear so you know what's, what's up. You should have full access to their social media. Not because you're a jerk, because you love them. That's right, they'll duplicate their accounts and they'll get hidden ones and all that kind of stuff, but you should just have that, you should have full access to that phone. By the way, another little thing to watch out for is if their phone is sitting on the dining room table and you're having dinner and that phone goes bzz, bzz, and they snatch it like this and they, and they do that to you, go ahead and grab that phone because they're talking about stuff that they don't want you to know about. Let's not be naive. This is a big deal. All right, this is a big deal. Let's have good discernment with our family. We raise our kids so good and so, and we're loving them so great. And then we give them like one of the worst things possible too soon with, with no restrictions and we're not even involved in it. And things get, things get scary, okay? So does it, it makes sense, everybody good with that? All right, and all the young people, I know you're like, <sighs> look, I know. I'm feeling you. I was your age one time. I'm like, are you serious? Come on, more parameters? Ah. But now I'm old enough and, and I'm looking back and I'm like, you know what? It is so worth a couple of years of being behind the curve, but being ahead of the curve in your heart and in your conscience and in your connection with God and, and staying stable and, and, and straight. Because all the guys that are doing crazy stuff, they're going to still be doing crazy stuff in 10 years, but it's not going to be cool anymore. Like, it's, it's just not, it's not cool. Like it was so cool back in the day, like to, to sneak out of your house and like sleep around and like do all that. It was like, I mean, I had friends. I was like, man, they just don't care, man. They, you know? But now it's like, man, it just wasn't worth it. Wasn't worth it at all. That good? All right, I'll move on to something else. <laughs> parents, just know your devices, know your kids, stay involved. Last thing, parents are to prepare their kids to launch. And this is the last thing we're gonna talk about. This is a big mindset. Would you just take, take, take the mindset that from birth till they leave the house and, and honestly still after that, it, it doesn't end when they're 18. Please remove that mindset from your mind and from your kid's mind that 18 is the finish line. It's not, it is not. They don't have to leave the house at 18. Don't do that to them. Some of them are not ready. I didn't leave the house till two weeks before I got married. That's right. 21 years old, all right? It wasn't because I was lazy, but it was just, it, I, I, I wasn't ready for that yet. You know what I'm saying? Plus it was a waste of money. Just, <laughs> there's a room sitting right there. I mean, why do I need to go get my apartment? You know, I don't, I don't know. That was my mindset, you know? And uh, 
But don't, don't have that mindset. Young people, don't have that mindset of, oh my gosh, I can't wait till I'm 18 to go to college and really start life. Just put all that aside, all that vernacular, all that talk. You know what I'm saying? Your parents can guide you till, till they're no longer on this earth if you allow them to, you know? And it's a great thing. But parents, you are launching your kids. They're like a, like a 747, all right? You're launching them, man. They, they, birth happens, right? Those engines start warming up, and the whole time you're taxiing, trying to get you know, ready. All of a sudden, 16 hits, and it's like those, those thrusters are starting to kick in. Now we're, I mean, we're dealing with some stuff now, you know? And, it's, and then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, God, we're about to fall apart, aren't we? And we are. <laughs> They're 17. Who are you, you know? And then, but eventually, stay steady, stay straight, stay prayerful. Pray over your kids, pray over your house, pray that there's peace, pray that there's clarity, spend time communicating the Bible to your kids, all right? Right now, we're, we're teaching Ariana all these little Bible stories, and, and she doesn't remember half of them, that's fine, one day she will, you know, we have these little conversations that are like, anyway, so, but don't despise those things, because one day they'll be 17, and you'll continue having those, those conversations, and uh and it'll be a lot deeper than that because, man, the wheels are spinning. But know that you're launching your kids. You're launching your kids in every area. So be active in their life. Guide them, last thing, guide them in their expertise. Guide them in what they're good at. Just because your kid turns 15 doesn't mean that all of a sudden they know themselves in and out and they know what they're really good at. And so then, right, like as a parent, you weigh 120 pounds. I just don't think that the NFL is gonna take you, all right? <laughs> I think it's, it's ready to go this way. It's just not gonna happen for you, you know? You play the flute really good, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, but I wanna play football. No, it's not gonna happen. You know, guide them. I had a guy one time, he was 16 years old, and he was making a life decision at 16, and the dad said, well, it's his life. And I was like, you've raised him so well, and now he's 16, and then you're just gonna like, go face the world. I'm 31 and I still don't know what's going on. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Care for your kid as they launch. Last illustration I want to give you because I want to leave you with a good, I want to leave you with a good picture is this. My dad's always taught about raising kids as like flying a kite. And when you fly a kite, you, you obviously, well, I don't know how many of us have actually flown a kite lately, but you know, you take that flight, and it, that kite and you kind of put it up in the air a little bit and, and you might have to run a little bit, but all of a sudden it starts flying. But guess what has to happen? You have to start releasing that string. Okay, now, if you release too quick, what happens? It, and it just fades and it falls down. But if you hold on too tight, what happens? It starts spinning, 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 and it does the same thing, it doesn't land. But as you release that, that string, it's a feel thing. It's all feel. Some kites go out quicker than others. It depends on the wind, depends on the size of the kite, depends on all these things, right? But it's a feel. You with your kids, it's a feel. Raise your kids like they're a kite, Release them in things that you know it's time for them to be released in. Sometimes you know they might make a mistake. That doesn't mean that they're falling and, and hitting the ground. They need to learn. They need to learn sometimes. Let them out, but don't let them out too quick because it, it'll have the same result, which is failure. Raising a kid, multiple kids one day, really places a lot of pressure on me as a man. It really does. And I know that y'all feel the same pressure. Some of you are successful. You're past that point. You're like, it's hard, but it's worth it. But it places a lot of pressure. And I think that's one thing that should cause us to even more turn to God. 
because I really believe that scripture, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. I believe that some people in this room today, that's what you need to start off with. You need to start off with, first of all, your relationship with God. What's that thing looking like? Because you can't raise your kids in that if you don't have that yourself. And I want to open that up to everybody, all ages, no matter where you're at in life, young, old. Do you know God? Are you loving him with all that you can? Are you giving him everything you got? Or are you holding on or reserving on certain things? Let's close our eyes and bow our heads right now. I just want to help those of you who maybe in this moment you're feeling, yeah, I don't really know God that well. Some of you men and women, you're coming to church because you want your kids to be in church, but you yourself, you don't know God, you're not loving him. And I believe today, maybe something has hit you in your heart and says, man, I, I don't want to teach my kids just a religious act. I don't want to teach them how to be a good hypocrite. That's not what I want. So before you get to your kids, you have to get to your heart. And today, I believe that some of you, you need to bow your knee before God. It says, every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. And that's what I, I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. In Acts 20, 21, there's three parts about salvation. Number one is, says, repent from sin. Repent from sin. That means stop doing it. Realize that it's wrong. Repent from it, a 180, and turn to God. You don't just stop doing things, but you have to turn and focus your attention upon God. Number three is that you put your faith in Jesus as Lord. You say, God, I believe in you. Jesus, I accept what you did for me in the on the cross, and, and you're Lord of my life. That's, that's the opportunity I want to give today. So what I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do is I'm going to say a prayer. I'm not going to bring it up to the room or do anything like that in front of the room. I just want to pray. And I want you to surrender your heart to God, and he's going to fill you and change you. Say, God, I come before you right now humbly, thankful for the opportunity to know you. God, I pray that you would forgive me of my sin, forgive me of my lifestyle, the sin problem that I had that I have just inherited from Adam, God, and I, I just, I place myself before you and I say, I need you. God, I want to turn from unrighteousness and I want to receive your righteousness. So today, God, forgive me, cleanse me. I receive your grace. I receive salvation. Jesus, I thank you for enduring the cross for me to pay that price for sin that I could not pay. I love you and I thank you for the new life that I have in Jesus' name, amen. If you just made that decision, let me be the first to say congratulations. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God, and we'd love to help you with your next few steps. If you'll text the word SAVED to 51660, we want to send you a link to our website that'll explain a little more about the decision you just made and give you some steps to take so that you can grow in your new relationship with God. We're one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and in Long Beach, Mississippi. Mississippi. If you're in one of those areas, we'd love to see you at one of our live services. You can visit our website, northwood.tv, for service times and directions. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do that online as well. Just go to northwood.tv slash give, or you can text the amount you'd like to give to 228-215-3421. Again, that's 228-215-3421. Standard data rates and text charges may apply. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next time.